0: Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done, perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Mike, I don't know about you, but making CityCast DC has been such a transformative experience for me. I feel like people come up to me all the time and tell me how much closer they feel to their city because of the show. Do you ever feel that way?
1: I like your story about the, the person at the grocery store.
0: who was like, where's Mike? (laughs) We do everything together. It's weird that we're not together.
1: Yeah, we do all our The entire city guest team does our (laughs) shopping together.
0: And I think that's part of the reason why it has been such a good experience is the people. I, I, I genuinely, truly love getting to dive into your perspective on the city as a lifelong Washingtonian. I love getting to dive into the perspectives of folks like Julia and Priyanka and Kayla and David. We all bring such different perspectives and voices and values, but I think that's part of what makes both our city and CityCast DC so great.
1: And so like you and me, like we show up and talk pretty, but these guys, our our producers, our newsletter writer, our team, they do a ton of work to make this show Happen that people don't notice in terms of getting us like really interesting guests to talk with great knowledge about like things that are actually super important. The whole thing involves a lot of work by a lot of people, all but two of whom you don't hear that much of on the pod.
0: It is more work than people might think. And I know the folks on our team work super hard. Thank you so much for taking this journey with us. And if you've been wondering, like, how might you support our work and the team that brings you these stories about DC every day? Michael, how can people do that?
1: They can become founding members of CityCast. Part of the plan for CityCast has been it's going to have members who sustain it, who make it sustainable and who help us do the work that we do. And that is what's going on right now. And if you sign up before December 8th, you get to be a founding member, which, which is like someday that's going to be a rank you can pull on people, I promise.
0: And it only costs as little as $8 a month. You can get ad-free material and other perks. So it's definitely worth it.
1: And you can sign up to be a member at membership.citycast.fm. Today on CityCast DC, it's our first annual list of the CityCast Six, a half dozen people who have changed DC in 2023, for better or worse. We've assembled a panel of experts, and today we will hear them bet folks our listeners picked as finalists for honorees in politics, literature, and music. My co-host Bridget will be here tomorrow with the rest of the list. And after that, stay right here. Our CEO, David Plotz, will be joining us for a conversation sponsored by Urban Pace about Pasha Homes, a flashy new development right by the Fort Totten Metro Stop. You don't want to miss it. Today is Monday, December 4th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey, so we are here today to talk about the CityCast 6, the inaugural CityCast 6, which is our awards for this year. We've picked six categories, and we are picking six Washingtonians who have transformed the city, one per category. I've got my panel here, Michael Bryce Sadler from The Washington Post. Hello. Hey, Michael. Anna Spiegel from Axios DC. Hi. And David Plotz, who is the CityCast CEO. Hey, Mike. I feel like being able
2: to say CityCast 6 six times, that should be its own
1: category of the City cast Six. I've been drinking since noon. <laughs>
3: um,
1: our, so our folks have been reporting a bunch. They've called a bunch of experts. They have talked to folks across the city to get their takes on these six categories as well. So we have a lot of expertise behind these suggestions and a bunch of nominees. Uh, so we're going to start with politics. Uh, and we've narrowed it down to some finalists. Mike,
2: I have an initial question, which is, are we picking the person or people who had the most impact on the city, who had the most beneficial impact on the city?
1: If you look at who uh, folks nominated, some of them, uh, well, I assume they think they're having a beneficial impact, but I think there's a lot of disagreement about that concept. So we use the word transformed, which is a wonderfully fungible word. You can transform cities in all kinds of ways, good and bad and otherwise. Um, That's kind of the category. I guess it's just sort of like, if you look back at this year, in 10 or 20 years, and you think, you know, here's a person whose influence was felt, even if it was felt in in ways that you wish it hadn't been felt. So the names of folks people suggested to us were John Falchicchio's accusers. He was the mayoral chief of staff who resigned in a cloud of allegations of harassment and other misbehavior. They were James Comer and Greg Pemberton, One is a member of Congress from Kentucky. One is the head of the police union. They together uh, worked to get a uh, duly passed D.C. criminal reform uh, unenacted and generally spoke a lot about the crime in D.C. in ways that a lot of Washingtonians resented because they felt like it was federal big footing. Uh, Another person in politics people suggested was Brooke Pinto. She's the council member from Ward 2. Kenny McDuffie, he's another council member. He's at large the mayor, Muriel Bowser. And Janice Lewis-George, who is a council member from Ward 4. I'm curious to hear from you all who you all think should win the award. Uh, Was there any name that jumped out at you?
4: Obviously, a lot of these folks are people who I cover on a daily basis, covering politics at the Post. So I was almost feeling a bit sacrilegious with my decision in that I picked James Comer and Greg Pemberton because I feel like if you talk about about the narrative that was set throughout the city, the tenor of this year, it's been all about crime. And because of Congress's outsized oversight of D.C.'s affairs, these two have just played a massive role with some of the city's priorities from the council's end and the mayor's end Uh, with the criminal code legislation, obviously that you noted, was uh, eventually overturned because of congressional efforts. And then later on the city's efforts to get rfk stadium that land which could one day lead to an nfl stadium in the city we need congress to uh, make that happen and i think a lot of people thought that uh congress was just dead set on defeating any priorities that the city had this year and then comer actually came out and introduced legislation to enable dc to acquire that land so those are two of the biggest storylines in the city right now is the potential to get a stadium and then crime and criminal justice in the city. And they have had an outsized role in both of those categories.
1: Do you think you can draw like a line from their action, specifically Congress's action on overturning the criminal code rewrite to some of the proposals within the city uh, elected official ecosystem? But also, who was against the, the uh, criminal reforms in the first place. She has since rolled out a bunch of quote-unquote, tough-on-crime measures, would that have
4: happened absent uh, Congress? That's a really interesting question. I think there has been such a public demand for the city's legislature and for the mayor to take action. I don't know if I would say that that legislation or, uh, you know, the mayor's bill would not have come without that congressional interference. I will say Congress put additional pressure on the mayor at hearings to do something. So she felt it from all sides, including at the federal level. Uh, So their voices were felt in that way. So I think she introduced her safer, stronger bill one day before a congressional hearing where she went and talked about crime and what she was doing to protect the city. And she's like, look at this bill that I guess introduced as one of those things. So I think your answer could be correct, but uh, either way, they played a role in that.
5: No, I think that's really compelling. I mean, personally, just before, um, you know, hearing your argument about it, I was, I picked um, John Felchikio's accusers in terms of, you're talking about immediate impact, um, what we're kind of seeing right now in terms of, you know, uh, ousting somebody who's arguably one of the most influential people in the mayor's office, uh, revising the sexual harassment codes for the office and, you know, kind of giving a voice to people who didn't, didn't have before. I thought that was very compelling.
1: You know, we'd put this to our world of listeners, and that was the the top choice of theirs too. It was a, a plurality, it was like thirty-two percent, but mm-hmm. still.
2: I too came in thinking probably it was Felcichio's accusers like you, Anna, and Michael, you were very persuasive. I do think with Mike Schaefer's framing, when we look back in 10 years, I, I think there's this way in which the Absence of Falcicchio from the Bowser administration, the reckoning that's caused within the Bowser administration, the the kind of juggling that the administration has now done means that the next several years are going to unfold differently. And so, the city that that we live in in ten years will be different in ways that we can't predict because there isn't Falchicchio being the 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 sort of hand in glove partner with the mayor. And so that that would that's my other reason for thinking that the the Falcicchio accusers. Um, also, you want to elevate people who've done something really brave. They've done mm-hmm. something really brave. Agreed. Um, the other person I was thinking about is Brooke Pinto, who of the council members discussed, I feel like she to me is the one who's most likely to be our mayor in 10 years. And I'm just very curious to see how her career unfolds. She is also someone I would I would vote for if you guys persuaded me. Mm-hmm. But I think but you persuaded me, Michael.
1: But wait, why why is of all the members of the council, including Kenny McDuffie, who's like long been thought of as a citywide candidate, Why is she the one you can imagine as mayor in 10 years?
2: That's a really good question. I guess maybe this is the ignorance of narrow exposure. She's the one I've had the most exposure to and has seemed impressive and seemed like somebody who could angle for bigger things, whether or not, I don't even know if she is angling for bigger things, but I accept you when you say that McDuffie is is the one who is also
1: a likely mayoral candidate. Michael, one of the things I thought was interesting here was in the reporting from our team, they come back with three names of members of the council. And the last few years, there's been endless talk about the ascendant, very progressive left-wing block in the council. But these three names, we've got one person who's associated with the more conservative side of the council, that's Brooke Pinto. We've got uh, one person who's associated with the more progressive block, that's Janice Lewis-George. And Kenny McDuffie, who has like good enough relations with all sides, but has lately emerged as a big champion of let's build a stadium for the NFL team, which is Mm -hmm. a a cause that progressives uh, in general really don't like. Can you give us a sense of like, you know, if in 10 years or even in one year, we're looking at what direction the legislative body of the city went, uh, do any of these folks uh, strike you as steering it
4: one way or the other that it might not have gone? Well, I think truthfully, you have three people who could be mayoral contenders one day. Uh, I won't say how soon. I think next mayoral election cycle, that's 26, we might see some of these folks jump into the fray, honestly. But I think to David's point, uh, in terms of Falcicchio's accusers, I I understand the rationale there, especially when you look at Falcicchio's influence within the Bowser administration. But the priorities for Bowser have not changed, even without Falcicchio there. Uh, and I think, Michael, you guess alluded to that, like McDuffie is championing the stadium. That is going to be a priority for the mayor, no matter who is her chief of staff, no matter who is leading the department uh, that Falcicchio led, uh, that handles economic development. So yes, he was an integral part of that administration, but it's kind of like the show goes on, right? And I think that uh, while I definitely want to give credit in terms of people speaking up for something in that way and the bravery of it, when I think about influence or the criteria of this award, that was more why I aligned with uh, Greg Pemberton and James Comer. just because when you look at the priorities of the council and the mayor, those were all shaped by what Congress decided it wanted to
2: do. I'm
1: I'm so persuaded.
5: Yeah, me too. I agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am I am persuaded too, and I and I think the very you know the fact that you you tied it to the the council, you know, the recriminations over the overturning of this criminal reform. Uh, I think really did kind of redound against the progressive bloc and council. It was seen as overreach, and seen as you know they were they struck me as like really naively surprised, like I can't believe people elsewhere are, are you know taking this wrong and caricaturing it in ways that are unhelpful. That's. You know exactly what <laughs> Comer and Pemberton did,
4: right? And I mean, Congress overturning local legislation is not something that happens often. It's not something that has happened often in the history of the city. I think it's probably less than five times, including this. So the fact that it happened this year, and it was also multiple bills, right? Like Biden had to veto one that was about police accountability. They also tried to uh, veto a bill that would have uh, that to give uh, non-citizens the right to vote. So it was just like on all fronts that Congress was saying, "Nope, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. In a lot of ways, making an example out of D.C., but the bigger context here is just the lack of statehood and that ability of Congress to impose itself just to make a point sometimes, even if they don't really have a tangible understanding of how these bills would affect local residents for better or worse.
2: So so the first CityCast 6 winner is a uh, congressman from Kentucky. (laughs)
4: And a police union head. <laughs> As I said, it feels sacrilegious uh, not to <laughs> pick someone who is elected by the local residents here. But uh, again, it speaks to that statehood point, uh, D.C.'s lack of that status and uh, Congress's ability to to impose itself.
1: Well, so much for linking arms with D.C. buddies at the glamorous <laughs> gala awards reception that we were going to throw.
0: When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, A Vida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174.
1: So the next category we have is literature. We did a bunch of reporting, collected some names of nominees from the community, from people who work in and around the world of books and letters. I am curious, the names of folks who, who we came up with were Jason Reynolds, who's a, a, a YA writer, Destiny Hodge and Elizabeth Held, who run a romance book club at East City Books, David Quick, who is the adult service coordinator at the DC Public Library, Lupita Aquino. Uh, who reads on Bookstagram and Talk, and Chantal Sang, who's a bartender and a book lover and runs a book club at the Gibson. Just to check on the philistinism of our uh, group here. How many of those folks did you all know about in
5: advance? I know Chantal well for a long time and her literacy, but wasn't familiar with everybody on the list.
2: I, I was familiar with Jason. And then when I looked up David Quick, the library, I was like, oh, I've seen that guy around. I loved these candidates. They are. It was a, such an inspiring group of people because it, every one of them are putting literature, putting reading, putting the experience of books in a new space, physical space, or in front of a new audience, or mixing up elements that had been disparate, like with Chantal mixing up booze and literature. I mean, people have always mixed up booze and literature, but doing this very deliberate way. And every one of these people would be a delightful winner of this category. Um, I think if I had to pick My small nudge is to Destiny Hodge and Elizabeth Held, who have the Really Reading Romance Book Club at East City Bookshop, and who also do other things to promote literature. But they have built a book club around a different kind of book and created a community around that at an independent bookstore. And both seem to just be, you know, really great ambassadors for literature in DC. But I would go with any of them. They all seem awesome.
5: I totally agree.
4: I have to agree as well. I think I just found myself inspired by, in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of these people starting with a small initiative and managing to grow their presence, grow a community. I think the efforts to increase literacy among some of the candidates in different populations was where they kind of stood out to me above the rest. I have a few friends who follow and share a lot of Lupita's work. And just yes, the fact that she's focused on a Latinx population. That has uh, some issues in terms of literacy with children and is working to improve that is fantastic. And for me, the winner was Jason. I was inspired for the same reason, focusing on young Black men, young adults, and children as a Black man myself. Like that was just amazing to see. I knew the name, but I was not aware that he had uh, a Miles Morales graphic novel. Like that was, that kind of blew my mind. So the fact that this is someone local and they have. So much work and the fact that you know, they are doing it at that level was extremely cool to see.
5: Yeah. I also had Jason. You know, I wasn't, you know, I also was familiar with the name, not as much about all the work, but I also love that he's doing a podcast with his mom. Um, and I think exploring kind of childhood at all points um, and kind of what it means to discover yourself at different points in your lifespan is really interesting. So I really liked him as well.
1: You know, we ran a a profile of Jason uh, a couple of years ago at Washingtonian, and uh, the headline in print was something like, the biggest YA novelist you've never heard of. And then it had an asterisk, and then the asterisk went to, like, unless you are like someone between the ages of whatever and whatever, in which case you know all about him or something. And people, of course, responded to the headline without uh, the, the deck. And uh, I got a lot of emails like, how can you say no one's heard of him? He's so famous. He's a big deal. He's, you know, you're in a bunker. Um, I was, when I first saw this list, I was, uh, I was at first like, oh, like, I, this is a great city. Don't we have like novelists and, you know.
2: You want like Alexander Solzhenitsyn like, on there. Right, Saul exactly. Bellow, the ghost exactly. of Saul Bellow.
1: Um, and like why we got all these like local yokel librarians and stuff. But I am actually like listening to you guys, you're absolutely right. These are people building community and using um Using literature as a thing to build community, which uh, just uh, I think we can use a lot a lot a lot more of uh, so uh, i'm I'm kind of c- convinced on on uh, not on Jason on the on the others because I think that like the theme has really resonated here of folks who have done something to build a
4: community. I do want to shout out. David Quick also, because I feel like if you know, you're know you listening to this and you've not been to MLK Library, it's a really fantastic uh, building. It's a fantastic institution. They offer so much programming. And I think our library employees in general don't get enough recognition for the work they do. So uh, I was like almost instantly drawn to him and read some more about the others and went a different way, but wanted to recognize David.
1: All right. So Jason won the popular vote again at Slim twenty five percent majority or uh, plurality, but uh, so w- where do you guys want to come down on this?
2: If the other the other judges, if if this is, it could be a two to one decision. Roberts and, and Gorsuch can outvote my <laughs> my Alito here. Jason would be a fantastic, worthy winner. I just like I like the idea of someone who is in the community, building community directly, and but Jason clearly is doing all sorts of wonderful things for us. So.
5: I agree. I I do like the idea that you know they're getting people to to Destiny and Elizabeth. They're getting people to read in a different way, kind of and come together over books.
1: I think it's a close call, as our listeners also found. But it sounds like sounds like Jason's the one. Plus, we got to do something to improve the vibe at the Gala Awards dinner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel like all we should, no matter what, you invite all of the the literature folks to Gala Awards dinner because they
1: are going to be fun. Yeah.
5: Yes. And Chantal can pour the uh, sherry cocktails alongside the, the books.
1: All right. So our last category for this episode is music and performing arts. And we came up with six names of folks from around the city. I'm going to tell you them, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, one is Ginny Hill. She's the host of Pocket Mike at Seven Drum City. Dylan Rockwell of the band Moozy, Ari Vox with two X's, who is a local singer-songwriter. Oh, He Dead which is the Whammy's winner, 2023 Best Pop Artist Group. Pretty Bitter, the Whammy's winner for 2023 Best Pop Songs. And Black Techno Matters, which is a collective that organizes local shows.
5: Again, this is also not my forte, but I really enjoyed Oh, He Dead. I thought, I really like their sounds. I love how they sound both, there's something nostalgic about their music, but they feel very modern and fresh in terms of both the composition, the band, and um you know, I love that they're from D.C., that they're going, you know, going on national tour, are starting to make it big, but still have very much like a big local tie. Um, and it's also music I just want to listen to.
4: For me, I, so I not necessarily honorable mentions, but I will say I think there's a lot of D.C., DMV rappers who I just want to give a shout out to that I think have had a good year. Uh, IDK, uh, Corday, formerly known as YPN Corday and Free Party. Uh, but they're like Largo, they're PG County, they're not DC proper, so I had to go and give a listen to the material for all of our nominees, and I also landed on og Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that the description, uh, I think it was like sexy, warm and sexy was the was the vibe, and I, I wholly agree with that. I think that was the sound that resonated most with my taste, at least, and stood out. So I agree with you, Anna.
2: I, I make it three. Uh sublime sexy ass pop was what yes. their their front person CJ Johnson
1: said. Make it four. I am you know I think so much of a conversation about local music in DC has become almost kind of like dogmatic and curatorial like mm-hmm. go-go is the official music of Washington or you know constant references to scenes that had flowered here including ones I really cared about uh having grown up here. But it's really nice to be talking about something forward-looking, unconnected and as as Plots likes to say, sexy. Sexy ass. Sexy <laughs> ass. Technically, <laughs> Sorry. technically sexy ass. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Michael, Anna, and David, thank you so much for being here. And to remind everyone of our picks, we somehow selected James Comer and Greg Pemberton as the CityCast 6 winners for the politics category, Jason Reynolds won in literature, and we've got Oh, He Dead as the music winners. But we are not done yet. We've got three more categories coming up in tomorrow's episode hosted by my colleague, Bridget Todd. So be sure to tune in for that. And listener, don't go anywhere. In just a second, we've got a segment sponsored by Urban Pace Real Estate. CityCast CEO David Plotz is chatting with the developer of Pasha Homes about exciting things to do on Kennedy Street Northwest and how you could find yourself living there.
2: Hi there, I'm David Plotz, the CEO of CityCast. I'm here today with Bharat Beardal, who's the project manager for Pasha Homes in Upper Northwest DC. Bharat, welcome to CityCast DC. Hi, David. Hi, thank you. Bharat, Pasha Homes, the condo building you're developing on Kennedy Street Northwest, is at the intersection of a few different neighborhoods. It's at Brightwood Park and Fort Totten and Manor Park, all very cool neighborhoods. And there's a lot of great stuff within walking distance. What is your favorite spot?
3: Um, I would say my favorite spot would be the coffee shop right down the street, La Coupe. It's a really cozy place and a friendly place, but also there's a CVS right like two minutes away from us. That's also really useful.
2: That is super useful. And that coffee shop is very cute. I know it. It's great. Yeah. So the Pasha homes are one and two bedroom condos. If you had to pick your favorite things about these homes that you've just built, what would your favorite things be?
3: We actually have really high-quality appliances and high-quality uh, flooring. Specifically in the bathrooms, we use the Carrara marble and Carrara mosaics on the shower walls as well. And on the counters, we use quartz. Also, we have these tall windows from Anderson, which is great. It gets the sunlight all over the place.
2: Yes. you Listeners, you can't see this, but I, I see Barat, and his... Got a window behind him, and the light is streaming in. The afternoon light is streaming in behind him.
3: Yeah, all of this comes with three-year warranties. It covers everything that it's in the units. So your one-bedroom
2: start at two fifty-nine, and your two bedrooms at four hundred forty-nine thousand, which are incredibly competitive prices for DC these days.
3: Yeah, we we did our best to make it affordable, but also stay good quality, and that's the. Best price that we could come off it, and I think it's it's a really good price.
2: Barat, I know people are anxious about buying in this housing market with the high interest rates, and it sounds like you're offering a really special deal, some special help for your buyers. What is it?
3: Yeah, basically, it's going to be ten thousand dollars closing um, settlement. Ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand. Yes. 000. Wow. Yes. Yeah, we wanted to help out potential uh, buyers, as you as you mentioned that like rates are getting really high, the interest rates. So we wanted to find a way to help help people, you know.
2: So when they settle, they get ten thousand dollars to help them pay for whatever it is they yes. want to pay for.
3: Yes, exactly.
2: So Bharat, before. You go, where can people learn more about Pasha Homes?
3: Yeah, we actually have a website, um, pashadc.com. And then if people have specific questions, they can ask us from there and we can uh, respond to them as soon as possible.
2: Barat Berdal, thank you for joining us on CityCast DC.
3: Thank you, Davis, for having me.
2: Again, check out pashadc.com to learn more about Pasha Homes in Northwest. We will have a link for you in our show notes too, so you're just a click away. Thanks for listening.
1: And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, send us your nominee for the 2024 CityCast 6. It's not too early. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.
5: You should make everyone have to say CityCast 6... Six times fast if they're going to claim the reward.